I'm Kathy Davidson, and welcome to our women's meeting. We have a group of women together, both here and there on live stream and all over the world, frankly, that are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is power. We are not just here to be born again. We are not just here to be meek and not being able and letting the devil run over us. We are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom in the power of God, in the anointing, in that power that comes with the gospel. And you are welcome to join us. And I thank God for all of us. Let's open with prayer. My heavenly father, I thank you. My heavenly father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, I thank you. You are a million times greater than any of Satan's works. Father, I thank you that you grant us a spirit of grace on this meeting. A spirit of grace on this meeting and a spirit of grace on those that are listening. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We are doing a series, and the series is what the gospel has bought, what it bought us. And today is going to be an interesting uh, interesting program, and to get that, to get started, I want to go first to John 10, uh, 35, which is a verse I've used a hundred times before, but I want us to put it in this program, all right? It says, Jesus speaking, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the second phrase is what I'm after, and the scripture cannot, cannot be broken. You're going to need that today. This message not only goes to people that are part of this ministry, but now it's starting to go all over the world. And we have people listening from all four corners of the world. It's so fun to find out where some of the people are watching this program. Now, I'm going to start it with this. Do you have the guts to believe what the Word of God says when it is apart from everything that you believe? Do you have the courage to believe the word of God above your attitude, your opinion, and your feelings. Do you have the courage to believe what Jesus himself said right here when he said the scripture cannot be broken? Do you have that courage? Because I tell you, if you do not believe what that book says, the Bible, you don't have a relationship with God. You only have a dead religion. But I'm going to challenge some of you today with something you've never considered. Those of us around here have walked in it. But it always is good to be reminded of what Jesus did. And what we're going to go over today, what the gospel bought us, and one of the things that it bought us, what it, had, it has abolished the law. It abolished the law. It did away with the Ten Commandments. Now, before you go into an uproar, let's look at what the Word of God says. And I'm going to start in Jeremiah 31. We're going to start with who came up with the New Covenant. 
Who decided to abolish the Ten Commandments? Who decided to abolish the law? We're going to take a look at who decided to do that. Because it wasn't your grandmother. All right? Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. That word is Jehovah. So this is Jehovah speaking. This is the one that sent Moses. This is the one that parted the Red Sea. This is the one that pulled down the walls of Jericho. This is the one that spent 40 days and 40 nights with Moses. That's the same one that is speaking right here. And he makes a change. It says, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Do you see who's speaking? That is Jehovah. That is your God if you believe him. That is Jehovah. And he is saying here, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. We know who that's talking. That is Jehovah. Which my covenant they break. Although I was a husbandman unto them, saith the Lord. But, but, did you know that even Jehovah uses the word but? But, this shall be the covenant. This shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. They shall all know me. You can know him. You can have a relationship, an intimate relationship with him. Why? From the least to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. It was Jehovah that introduced the new covenant and abolished the old. Now, when did that new covenant start? Turn with me to Luke 22. Luke 22, Jesus is here at the Last Supper, and he's with the 12 apostles. One, I think, is already, no, one, Judah took the cup. Judas drank from the cup. God bless him. Likewise, also, the cup after supper. This is Jesus at the Last Supper, and this is what he says. This is what our Messiah says. He said, this cup is the New Testament. The New Covenant, words are the same. The New Testament, the New Covenant, the New Covenant. That's what, that's what Jehovah said in Jeremiah, a new covenant. And here is Jesus introducing the new covenant. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. There is where the new covenant started, with the shed blood of Jesus. But we must understand, we must see that to walk in this new covenant, we have to abolish 
We have to abolish, put away the old covenant. Turn with me to Hebrews 2. I believe that God wants us to look at this through the eyes of the writer of Hebrews most of all. You know that we are going to look at right here in chapter 2 who wrote the book of the, the person that wrote the book of Hebrews and they don't know exactly the author. There is debate on both sides. But this is obviously a person that knew about Jesus and knew the new covenant because it says it right here and I want us to look at it. Chapter 2 verse 3. And this is the writer of Hebrews saying, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first begun to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us? Confirmed unto us. He's talking about himself. Confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So this man, the writer of Hebrews, has listened to the, at least the ones that were from Jesus Looks like it was the apostles or one of his disciples. That's where they got the gospel from. Now, who is he speaking to here? He's speaking. He's speaking to the Jews. This letter is to the Hebrews. To the Hebrews. This letter is to the ones that were brought up under the law. To obey the law. This book is to the ones that have the old covenant. The ones that walk in the law and he is showing them bit by bit step by step he is showing them that the law has come to an end it came to an end it was abolished we will read here and when was it done it was done on the cross Jesus said this is the new covenant the new covenant in my blood so let's take a look at this. Go with me to Hebrews 7, verse 11. I'm going to begin in verse 11. The writer of Hebrews, If therefore, and he's talking about the law of Moses. He says, If therefore perfection, for by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? Now I want you to think about for a second what he just said there if the law is so good why did it have to change why did Jesus say this is the new covenant why did Jehovah say I'm going to make a new covenant if the law was so great if the law was able to make you perfect why then did the father say I'm going to make a new one Good question. Good question to ask yourself. Now, let's go back here. Verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. The law had to be changed. Verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man attendeth at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord our Lord Jesus sprang out of the tribe of Judah. Jesus was a son of David. David was of the tribe of Judah. It says, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for after the similitude of Melchizedek, there rises another priest. 
who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of a hidden life. And you will read about Melchizedek in Genesis. And you will also read where the Father says to Jesus, I have made you a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek, not of, not of, not of Aaron. 17, for he testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalm 110. Psalm 110, that's in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, they're talking about there's coming a New Testament, folks. There's coming a new covenant. Now, verse 18. For there is verily, verily, a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. He's talking here about the law of Moses. It says it, there is verily a disannulling, a disannulling of the law. Can you read that? Can you believe? Do you have the courage to believe what God is saying through the person that wrote Hebrews? says, for there is very a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness. Did you know the law was unprofitable thereof? Verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. The law, the Ten Commandments, all the ordinances made nothing perfect. Can you read that? Made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. Bringing in of a better hope did. By which we draw nigh to God. Who? Who? Who brought in the better hope? Jesus did. And he did it, he announced it with the cup. This is the new covenant. This is the new testament in my blood. Isn't that beautiful? Just what the Father spoke of way back in Jeremiah. Now, verse, let's go to Hebrews 8, 13. We're going to read a verse. This is a Jew speaking to a group of to the group of Jews. This is a Jew speaking to Jews. Jews. Verse 13. In it he saith, a new covenant. He has made the first old. He has made the first old. Now, that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Now, go with me to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 1. For the law. The law, and that includes the Ten Commandments. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered, year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. Next verse. For then would they have not ceased to be offered. If that offering of that ram or that bullock for your sins 
had made you perfect, you'd have never had to offer one again. You'd have never had to offer one again. If those sacrifices that they made of the bulls and the goats, if they had taken away all your sin, you'd have never had to offer another one. But that wasn't the case. They were always offering. And every year they had to offer again a sacrifice to cover, to cover their sins. Not take them away, just cover them. Verse 2, for would they have not ceased to be offered? Because if the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. You see it has to do with the conscience. The conscience. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there's a remembrance again made of sins every year. Verse 4, 4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. They only cover them. The sacrifices under the law only covered sin. They couldn't take them away. They couldn't get you justified. Romans says that we cannot be justified under the law. Why? It only covers sin. It doesn't clean them out. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith. And who is saying this? Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. He said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Jesus speaking in Psalms through the prophet David and through the other psalmists. Jesus speaks the spirit of Jesus. First Peter tells us that. That it's the spirit of Christ in them speaking of what's coming. Of what's coming. And what does the Spirit of Christ say through the psalmist? He says, he, he says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body, a body hast thou prepared me. A body hast thou prepared me. Who prepared Jesus a body? The Father did. The Father did. Because there was going to be just one more sacrifice. One more. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, verse 6, thou hast had no pleasure. Do you see that? This is a psalmist writing. The sack of burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, thou hast had no pleasure. Verse 7, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Is that an Old Testament? All through it, we see Jesus. We see the crucifixion. We see his death, burial, and resurrection. We see him coming into his glory through the cross. It says, Then said I, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Verse 8. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, which are offered by the law. Verse 9, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And look at this next phrase. He taketh away the first. He taketh away the first. The first what? The first covenant. Jesus took away, abolished, Finished, fulfilled, 
the law of Moses, and it was taken away. It was taken away that he might establish the second. That he might establish the second. We are not under the law of Moses. It has been abolished. It has been abolished. The law wasn't even made for the Gentile. Do you know that Abraham and the promises God made him and God Isaac given to him was all done 400 years before the law was even established? 400 years. The law was never meant, never meant to make you perfect. The gospel was. The bringing in of a better hope. And that gospel was that Jesus died and he was buried. And he rose again the third day. And that gospel was the shedding of his blood forgave your sin. Just like it said in Jeremiah 31. That blood of the covenant justified us. It is the blood that justifies us. Do you see that? It is the blood that justifies you. Not what you do. Not the law of Moses. Thou shalt not, will not take sin out of you. But the blood of Jesus will. Saying thou shalt not lie will not stop you from lying. In fact, if you read in Romans 7, it makes it worse. The law makes it worse. The law makes it worse. Turn with me to Romans 7. I wasn't planning on going there, but we need to. Romans 7. I'm going to begin in, let's, let's begin in verse 14. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. That is the human nature. If then I do that which I would not, but I do it anyway, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Do you know that sin dwells in you until you have been justified? It says, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. Oh, I wish I could be perfect. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. I remember Dole when, he first, when I first started here and he said, As long as you keep saying, thou shalt not, thou surely will. Why? It is the sin in you. It's the sin in you. Verse 20. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God, God after the inward man. But I see another law working in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. A wretched man that I am. Ever been there? That's what the law does to you. 
who shall deliver me from the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Then verse 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law, the law of Moses, could not do. What the law of Moses could not do. Can you read those words? In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do you see that? Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And you say, well, if Jesus, and, and, and I think it's in Colossians, Jesus said, Christ is the end of the law. The end of the law to those that are righteous. The end of the law. Do you know what end means? I've had a saying when I was growing up, we had a saying around us that if somebody was bothering you, you would say, take a long walk off a short pier. Pier is a dock. In other words, go fall in a lake. Well, you know what? Christ is the end of the law. He is the end of the law. Can you read that? Can you see that? Christ is the end of the law. So, you say, well, if the law has been abolished, and it has been, we just read it. The law, the Ten Commandments have been abolished. There's a new covenant. And the new covenant is in the blood of Jesus. The new covenant justifies. The new covenant makes you righteous. The new covenant forgives your sins. Just like Jehovah prophesied what, 700 years before Jesus. The new covenant takes away sin, justifies you. The new covenant, and that new covenant was in the blood of Jesus. The old covenant has been abolished. It has ended, ended for those that believe in Jesus. For those that believe in the gospel, there is no law for those that have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. No law. Then you say, because I can hear it. I said it. Well, does that mean that there's no Ten Commandments against us? If there's no, if the law has been abolished, does that mean I can do whatever I want? Oh, it's been said. Well, if the Ten Commandments aren't around, I can do whatever I want. Somebody said that for you already. Go with me to Romans 6. Verse 1. What shall we say then? And he's talking about the law. In fact, let's go back up. I'm going to go back up to, let's see. Let's go back up 
to 17 in Romans 5. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more that they which receive the abundance of grace, and there is no grace in the law, much more than which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came all, upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, our Lord Jesus. The free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedient, many were made sinners. That's Adam. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Righteous. No sin. Now look at verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Might abound. Do you see what that verse says? The more you follow the law, the more you follow the Ten Commandments, the more sin in your flesh abounds. 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 But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. There is no grace in the law. Grace reigned through righteousness under eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you say, so that means if there's no Ten Commandments, we can just sin all we want. Let's go, let's read the verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Can I just keep sinning because I'm under grace? God forbid. God forbid. See that God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into the death of Jesus. And you know what happens when a person dies? There's no more sin. Dead person, dead people don't sin. Do you get that? Dead people don't sin. And we are baptized into the death of Jesus. Dead people don't sin. Well then, what are we? We are alive to Jesus. We are alive to Jesus. And one more verse, Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Do you see that verse? There are so many so-called Christians out there that think that they can follow the Ten Commandments and walk in the Spirit, and it is impossible. It is impossible. That's like trying to mix oil and water. They don't mix. They don't mix. You are either under grace or you are under the law. The gospel, uh, John, well, let's turn to John 1. Let's go to John 1. He makes it very clear here. John 1. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses. 
but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. There is no grace under the law. No grace. You have to follow the law. And you have to get it absolutely perfect. Because if you offend in one, as the Word of God says, you will offend in all. Then you are guilty under the law. There is no grace under the law. No grace. The grace came with the New Testament. Grace and truth came with the New Testament, with the New Covenant. Grace and truth came with the New Covenant. Grace and truth came with the New Covenant. The Old Covenant has been abolished. Oh, it's still around. And if you look in Timothy, it says it's for the ungodly. The, the law is for the ungodly, for the sinner. It's not made for the righteous man. And we are righteous with the blood of Jesus. You cannot do both. Now, with these scriptures, and it says the law has been abolished, that the new covenant has been, the old, the old has been put aside, it has been made old, and we have a new covenant. Now, if we have a new covenant where abides grace and truth, why is a Christian, do we want to put the old covenant up on the wall? Why? If we are under the new covenant, the covenant of the blood of Jesus, the covenant where all sin is forgiven and paid for, the covenant that takes sickness and disease away with the blood of Jesus, with the sacrifice of his body, the new covenant. Why, if that has been given to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, do we want to put the old covenant up on the wall as in the Ten Commandments? It's been abolished. And it needs to be abolished in your life. You cannot have both. You cannot walk in the faith and the grace of Jesus with the Ten Commandments. It is impossible. It says the Ten Commandments, the law, was our schoolmaster to bring us under Christ. But once we are under Christ, then there's no need for a schoolmaster. Why do you want to put the Ten Commandments up? It only makes us sin more, as Romans tells us. Take the Ten Commandments down and put up Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again for us. That's what should be on your wall. That's what should be in your heart. You cannot, as Peter said, we can't even obey it. Why would we want somebody else to? The law was not made for you. The new covenant was made for you. The new covenant where your sins are forgiven and blotted out of the book, justified. That is the new covenant. The new covenant sanctifies you, sets you apart to be a vessel for service. 
That is the new covenant, and it's done through the blood of Jesus. It is not through the old. It is the old. It has been abolished. It has ended. And it ended when Jesus went up to the cross. In Galatians, it says it was nailed. The law was nailed to the tree. Thank you, Jesus. So we walk in the newness of life, being baptized into the death of Jesus, where our flesh is put to death. And we walk in the spirit. And you know what that spirit does? That spirit keeps you from sin. That's the Holy Ghost leads you and guides you. And it talks to you about Jesus. And Jesus speaks through the Holy Ghost. He is your shepherd. And he will keep you from sin if you will listen to him. That's what the new covenant bought for you. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you open our eyes because when your eyes are open that the law has been abolished, that it has been put aside, that it has been made old, that it has been nailed to the tree. You open our eyes, you will see that in almost every single book of the New Testament and all through the old. The old covenant, the Ten Commandments, was never made for you. Never made for you. Let's go to Timothy real quick and read that. Anthony, where is that? That's what I thought. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I had it right. First Timothy, chapter 1. I want to read this to those of you that you're hearing this for the first time because I know you're, you're doing what I did when I first heard it. Time out. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. But I had to believe these words. All right. Let's see. Verse 9. 1 Timothy 1. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. And your righteousness is through the gospel. Your righteousness is a gift. Romans, uh, Romans what is it? 5.17. Your righteousness is a gift from God. Knowing this, the law is not made for a righteous man. Well, what's the law made for then? For the lawless and the disobedient and the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy, for profane, profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. Is this you? Then the law was made for you. For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. For men stealers, for liars, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, that's who the law was made for. You know, if you study that law, you will find out the reason God put the law in was because they would not obey him. It was put in because of transgression. Amen? Now, we put aside the law. We put aside the Ten Commandments, and we walk. We walk in the Spirit, and we walk in the Gospel. We walk that Jesus died for us. 
we walk and that he paid the price for us. We walk that Jesus took on our sin on the tree. We walk that we have been paid for, that our sickness has been paid for, that our poverty has, that our Poverty has been dealt with and we've been made rich. We walk in that Jesus has given us security and safety and welfare. Why? He bought it for you on the cross. Amen? Father, I thank you. I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. It is written that the law shuts up faith. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that the law shuts up our faith. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Father. You take the law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you that you take the law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you that you take the law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you that you take the law out of our hearts. It is not made for us. It was never made for us. Father, I thank you. You take the law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you right now. He is taking the law out of some of your hearts. Father, I thank you that you are taking that law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you in the name of of Jesus, that you are taking the law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you that you are taking the law out of our hearts. Father, I thank you. You are taking the law, and that includes the Ten Commandments, out of our hearts. Father, I thank you. You are taking the law out of our hearts in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. You are taking the law out of our hearts in the name of Jesus. It is contrary to us. It talks to us. It takes up our faith. Father, I thank you that you take the law out of our hearts. I thank you. You take the law out of our hearts. I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you. Yes, the law is good, but your flesh can't handle it.
Father, I thank you. You take the law out of our hearts that we can serve you in the gospel. Father, I thank you. You take that law out of our hearts. I thank you. You take that law out of our hearts that we can serve you in the gospel. Father, I thank you that you take the law out of our hearts. Out of our hearts. We cannot be married to Jesus, but live with Moses. It doesn't work. Father, take the law out of our hearts. I thank you. I thank you, Father. I'm not done yet. Father, I thank you. Father, take the law out of our hearts. Father, take the law out of our hearts. Take the law out of our hearts that we can serve you in the gospel. That we can serve you in the gospel. That we can serve you in the gospel. The very covenant that you sent with Jesus. That we can serve you in the new covenant. That we can serve you in the new covenant. That we can serve you in the new covenant that you made with Jesus. Amen. Amen. See you next week. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.